Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we speak to the experts and break down the technology and the data that is allowing us to measure, optimize, and understand our health in ways that have never been possible before. This show is for the health hackers, the data nerds, the athletes, the execs, the high performers, and anyone looking to take their health and their game to the next level. Be sure to check out our website and our health analytics app at headsuphealth.com and feel free to shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com with any comments, questions, or feedback on this show or our app. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and let's get into our next episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. I have a very lovely and special guest today, Mona Izetvelinov. Did I say that right? You did. You got it. Mona and I got introduced originally from Chuck at Aura, and we're now besties officially. Totally. We partied together in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was we, A4M. Uh, A4M conference. A4M conference. We're threatening to do some work together, heads up, and some new work that you're doing in the corporate wellness space. Maybe yep. that's something you can talk a little bit more about on this show, actually, the whole notion of how do we bring functional medicine into the workplace, which is an absolutely genius idea. So that one's super exciting. And yeah. you're also a badass functional medicine MD. So yeah. I would love to talk about your areas of expertise in functional medicine. And as far as world travelers go, I think you're up there pretty high too. So <laughs> we've talked about some of the places you've been and you have a, you, your, your background is Egyptian, which is one of the absolute most fascinating cultures to me in existence. So I'm sure you have just amazing stories of your, your life's travels. And I know you've practiced medicine all over the world. So maybe yeah. we can just start off with a little bit about your background, what got you into functional medicine. And I'd love to talk about some of the work you're doing. And I'll just riff off of that stuff and we'll have fun. Sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I always wanted to be a doctor since I was a kid and got into family medicine originally because when I was in college, one summer I was working with a, a family doctor outside of Chicago and she was from Latvia. And so she had the whole community would come to see her, the grandmother and all the parents and the kids. And it was That's a beautiful. great... Oh, it was great. I just loved it. She was like such a, a part of their family. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing that and her interactions and the relationship she built with her patients really inspired me. Nice. And so when I was going to medical school, I really wanted to get into family medicine and kind of be a part of that community and, and help people make changes for, for the long term. So, um, so that's originally how I got into family medicine. And when I finished my residency, I went and did a year and a half about of locum tenens work, which is where you kind of fill in where they need extra help and doctors to help out. So I work a Navajo Indian reservation. You mentioned that to corners. me in Las Vegas yeah. at A4M. Yeah. So how long were you there? Yeah. I was there for about three months and, yeah. um, you know, working at the on-site clinic there with all the other doctors. And so the great opportunity, I got to know our medical director and I asked her, you know, if there are any events that I could attend that were more geared towards traditional healing to include me. And so there was an event where a woman in the community had been um, diagnosed with cancer. And so they made an announcement on the radio and they said, we're going to do a fire dance. This is a location 
And so I was able to attend with our clinic director and there were probably 250 people there, a huge big fire in the middle, everyone dressed kind of, well, the dancers were dressed in costume to bring forth the spirits for healing. That, and all of those people were there just to send their well wishes for this woman to heal, which is just so powerful to have Incredible. that kind of support. Yeah. yeah. And if you so, believe in, in the power of prayer and whatever medium that transmits through that we don't fully understand yet, but it's there, exactly. it all makes yeah. sense. Was there yeah. any plant medicines used at that ceremony? No, they did some plant medicines for her, some uh-huh. traditional um, herbs, which I'm not really familiar exactly what they used at that location. But, you know, just even on an energetic level, mm-hmm. to have that many people sending you Incredible. well wishes, yeah. right? Uh-huh. I mean, that's so strong. So I was really, really touched by that and that experience. And then other places I worked... Um, I worked. Well, let's go school. back to that one for a second. They, they are now able to reproduce studies where, for instance, they can have people in geographically separate areas and have a room of people to intentionally send well wishes and measure the effects on an object they can't even see. These studies are out there. They were initially done on plants and they were able to instrument the plants. So for those who are not familiar, they would have a plant in one room and a plant in another room, and and the individuals were directed to send well wishes and love and intention to one and not the other. And there were distinctly marked benefits to the ones that received the wishes. And so there is a medium that we don't understand yet. And I think that ceremony and even prayer in general, I don't know if those effects amplify with the more people that are collectively sending at one moment in time. But I personally believe that there's a lot of power in in that type of healing. I do too. It's not recognized yet in terms of the scientific method, and I'm sure it will get there at some point. It's not there yet. Yeah. I mean, I think we're still learning how to capture and understand and quantify energy. When we do an EEG, we're doing the same thing for the brain. We're Mm -hmm. quantifying some of the electrical signals that are being sent. So, um, so we're still kind of trying to understand and learn, you know, all those dynamics that happen within us and where this energy field extends to. And what about at the psycho-spiritual level of the root of disease? A lot of times that, that is the cause of cancer and autoimmune and who the heck knows what else. So, Well, I mean, there's a subspecialty now that's a PhD in psychoneuroimmunology. I've heard that term before, but I didn't (laughs) fully know what it was. Can you break that one down for us? Yeah. So it's my, I mean, it's looking at your psychology and then how that is affecting your nervous system. So Mm -hmm. when we're in fight or flight response, because we're Mm -hmm. feeling very stressed and our emotions and thought contact is more stressful, which also translates to a change in how the immune system can function. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've all kind of experienced where, you know, maybe we're in school and we have exams that we're studying for and we're staying up late and we're focused and doing all these different things and we have a lot of stress hormones and you're able to get through that period of time and then you're on break or you go on vacation and then you get sick. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, you, you get know. walloped. Once, once your body has a chance to rest, that's when it comes on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're off of that adrenaline drive yeah. that you might have had initially. Yeah. And then when you're trying to kind of move into a different area, then the immune system is... So that's a psychoneuroimmunology is is essentially then the relationship between the nervous system, which is essentially the the stress tuning fork, 
and the immune system. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's really and then fascinating. You have the psychology on top of that of how we how our emotions play out with that. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How much There's of that comes up in your work when you're when you're with individual clients? Is it- Quite often. I mean, initially when I see uh, patients and we're, we're taking um, in functional medicine, we do a really thorough history. So we spend at least an hour and a half with one another getting a full medical history. We do a timeline. So we go from, you know, if you have any information from when your mother was even carrying you, if she, did she have any yeah. unusual stresses or something yeah. that wow. happened while she was pregnant yeah. and then going through your mode of delivery were you breastfed? Were you bottle fed? What was the environment you grew up in? You know, all of these pieces of history, as you go through time, you start to see how someone's um, environment affects their health and vice versa, how their health gets affected and changes their environment. So it's pretty fascinating. It's a really dive. Yeah. Yeah. Gets deep deep really quick. But you know what I find? I'm just amazed at people's resilience. Because yeah. we all, you know, people go through so many different things and they're so yeah. resilient and they still come out with this beautiful soul and heart and, you know, and sharing these stories with you. Yeah. It's amazing. And sometimes those, those experiences, we develop adaptations, and which actually end up becoming our greatest strengths as we get yeah. later in life, which exactly. is even more of a, a mindfuck, honestly. It's like... <laughs> Well, you know, it kind of takes you to uh, kind of the short stresses like hormesis, like when, yeah. when you put your body under a short amount of stress yeah. and we can like develop more resiliency and have some superpowers that come out of that. Well, you hit on something else amazing, which is the first step in the functional medicine journey is going like right back to preconception before you were even born. What was your mother's environment, your father's environment, potentially their parents' environments looking for potential epigenetic influences? And then you kind of work a timeline all the way through and you're basically a detective at that point. That's incredible. It's very interesting because you're kind of bringing together many different pieces to fit them and understand from a different perspective. That's why functional medicine is so powerful. Even sitting down with someone and asking those questions, that just doesn't happen in the allopathic medicine world for lots of different reasons. That's just not how that system works. There's so much to start with, even just going through a timeline like that. And then also starting to look at lifestyle factors and environmental factors. So it's very comprehensive. Maybe you could tell us how you started to make the transition from traditional to functional. Yeah, well, it was was really kind of more my own health journey that brought me into that. So I had always been interested in integrative medicine, even in medical school. I would read Andrew Weil's books and kind of always wanted to learn more about nutrition and about herbs. And then when I started practicing, um, you know, I just would try to incorporate as much as I could but then my own health, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer mm-hmm. and it kind of came out of the blue. And when I would ask questions, why did I get this and what should I do? No one could really give me any good answers for it. So I did the initial traditional treatments for it and went through my surgery. And then I had to go through radiation treatment, which really messed up my gut. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So I was having all kinds of digestive problems. And when I went to specialists, they didn't know what to do with me. They were kind of yeah. like, we don't know what's bothering you, what's happening. Here's some medication. 
And so I started to really start to learn and read and go to conferences and met people. And I was fortunate that I had some other people who were able to start introducing me to functional medicine testing and figuring out what was going on. So um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. There's some strong connections between the side effects of chemotherapy drugs and the microbiome. Exactly. Which is ultimately the immune system. And that's a whole other area that requires its own set of expertise. So how does one start to rebuild the health of their microbiome after an intense episode like that? So for my treatment, I had to take a radioactive iodine pill. Yeah, my dad took that. Right. Yeah. And it just like bombs your microbiome. Yeah. You can't even touch it with with your skin. You have to like drop it down your throat with like tweezers or something, don't you? Exactly. Yes. They they had me go in the back of the hospital. Yeah. And then they told me to go out the back door and don't touch anything. Yeah. (laughs) Right. What could possibly go wrong here? And the woman who was giving it to me was fully covered and shielded. It was really intense. It was pretty incredible. You know, at that time, I really didn't know that much of the microbiome. And I think really the research was just getting started. There wasn't a huge amount like we have now. Yeah, all the testing we have now and all the information we have. We're still in our infancy understanding it. It's a whole machine learning problem, the microbiome. It's the only way we're going to understand all these species and the interactions between them. Exactly. Just fascinating, all the different connections from the gut brain and the gut and the heart and the gut and the skin and how everything is, you know, infinitely complex. It's phenomenal, but uh, pretty exciting too. So now tell us, you're, you're presently in San Diego. And so tell us about some of your areas of expertise as a functional medicine specialist. So I've focused quite a bit on um, thyroid health. So Mm -hmm. after going through my own journey, kind of helping people with hormonal balance, also just in general hormonal balance, going through transitioning into menopause is also a time of a lot of different changes. So I've Mm -hmm. done a lot of work and then a lot of gut health issues. Again, my own experience kind of lends into working with patients who have a lot of gut issues and have had frustration in trying to navigate how to improve their health with that. I'm focusing too bit more now into autoimmune disease. Just mm-hmm. unfortunately, quite a few, especially women who are diagnosed with autoimmune mm-hmm. and not a lot of options for other things to do rather than medications. So it's really helping people understand what's driving their immune system. So just as we spoke about before, you know, different stresses, learning the timeline. How to- change and how to change the stress reactions that we have, Um, learning about heart rate variability, about meditation, about breath work, how to kind of navigate in today's world to bring that nervous system into a better balance. It's really crucial. I mean, well, I'm part of the motivation for Heads Up was was my own stress situation. There was a period of six or 12 months where for lots of different reasons, it got to a point where my fight or flight was so jacked that strange physical symptoms started happening, heart palpitations, the inability for my body to actually let go and, and go into a sleep state without like jolting myself awake. Yeah. As soon as you'd nod off, and then boom, jolt you awake. So all of the chemicals were totally jacked. And um, it took me a long time to reverse engineer it. And a lot of the things I was doing that used to help with stress actually started making it worse. 
So I would double down on, on the things that used to work for me, go to the gym, go out with friends and blow off some steam. But when you're in the red zone, that started to make things worse. I remember for me, I, the only way I could fall asleep was if I put a body scan meditation on while I was in bed on my iPhone, like a 45 minute head to toe body scan. And wow. I would fall asleep and that would let my nervous system, you know, just tamp itself down a little bit. So that's a big one. Just working with stress conditions. And, and I think I was lucky enough that I got it in check before it became anything more serious. And I, I didn't want to take a pill. I learned so many things from that experience. Well, and that's that you learn more about your own body and how to pay attention to the cues it's giving you. I didn't know about HRV back then. Now that's probably most one of the most important biomarkers I track. And thankfully, there's wonderful companies bringing technology to market that is making it easier for everyone to understand that. You and I got introduced to each other from Chuck, who works at Aura. For those who have a, an Aura ring or, or a BioStrap or any device that can lead HRV, there's all companies that measure HRV. I didn't really know too much about it until now, but that's the most important number for me these days. That's huge. Sleep is huge too. That's why I do love Aura and all the different sleep yeah, got everybody like, yeah, they have <laughs> everyone more self-aware. And yeah, sure, people get a little too wrapped up in it and they may not always interpret the data properly, but an awareness exists that did not previously exist. Exactly. And that is a win, net-net, in my opinion. <laughs> That's right. And I think we're going to move more into circadian biology, not just yeah. focusing on sleep, yeah. but having a rhythm to our life. And all of us are a little different in what our rhythm needs to yeah. be as we understand that rhythm and we see, okay, well, what's the best time for me to have my main meal? When's the best time for me to exercise? Totally. So we'll understand a lot more about circadian biology and how that connects to environment and light and everything else that helps us to really be at our optimal self. Yeah. You have good quality sleep. Your HRV is in check. You know how to regulate your blood sugar. You're ahead of 95% of the people <laughs> on the planet <laughs> at that point. <laughs> totally. Are yeah. you seeing, Mona, just tangentially, you mentioned this, so I'll ask, but a lot of environmental toxins and their effects on um, thyroid, you know, endocrine disruption. Is that a large percentage of the thyroid issues you see, a small percentage? It's a pretty large percentage because we see, I see a lot of autoimmune thyroid. Mm -hmm. So Hashimoto's one of the most common diagnoses and there's a, you know, kind of a spectrum of things that can lead into Hashimoto's, but um, environmental insults in a really susceptible gland in your neck. I do test and look at those and try to, especially for women looking at chemicals that they may be using. So makeup, hair products, all these things that are full with all different types of chemicals. So I usually recommend for them to look at the Environmental Working Group, which has a really nice list of products. Yeah, great products to look at. And now, that, now luckily, there's quite a few companies who are making really clean products and they just yeah. published some amazing research on, on drinking water analysis and which cities have these forever chemicals in the drinking water. Uh, this is yeah. independent research. I don't, know, I don't know how they're funded, so I can't necessarily say independent, but, but they're going into major cities and, and testing the drinking water for this type of stuff. So you know, shout out to those guys. Seriously, they do some great work and really bring forward a lot of information to, you know, not just information, but they're also kind of pursuing legislation to make sure that our environment is protected and that the products that we're, that our kids are exposed to, that we're exposed to is not causing huge amounts of harm. So um, somebody's got to be out there doing them, putting some accountability out there. Yeah, it's really needed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not being taken care of otherwise. 
And then on the microbiome side, what are some of the most common issues or, or things that are insulting the microbiome? There's obviously processed foods and probably the same thing, environmental. So what types of things are you commonly seeing with disruptions related to the microbiome? So a lot of it can be related, you know, infections, traveler's diarrhea, or parasitic infections that people have picked up. They've never been tested or found to have, so they may be carrying that for many of years. And then, well, it's not part of routine screening when you go for the physical. They don't look that there's hey, there's a really serious parasite or pathogen or bacteria right. overgrowth in your exactly. tummy. Exactly. And I hope that that will become part of our routine. Standard operating procedure. Oh, I think so. I think so. Because really. Poop tests for everybody annually. I think there's going to be a smart toilet that's going to come along. And if there's an entrepreneur on this, listening (laughs) on the other end of this call. Yes, please. We need a toilet that analyzes the urine and and the stool, please. Exactly. There's so much to learn from it. And then you could have, you know, your recommendations for the day. (laughs) Hey, I track all these whacked out biomarkers and heads up health. And don't get me wrong, I love it. But at the end of the day, is your piss clear and, you know, you're having healthy bowel movements. Right. Which a lot of people don't. And, you know, they think that that's okay. And it's really not. It's a big sign for healthy elimination and detoxification and making Mm -hmm. sure that our bodies are doing what it needs to do. Like, you know, a lot of people live with gas and bloating and they figure, oh, that's just normal, but it's not normal to have that. And, you know, having all these fluctuations and how well they feel after they eat a meal, also another thing to think about. So, you know, I spend a lot of time going over what people are eating, looking at their gut microbiome, and then tweaking their diet to help them rebalance for them and get the most nutrient dense foods. Like instead of having a snack of maybe healthy chips or, or pretzels or something that, like that, you could do jicama with some guacamole, right? So jicama mm-hmm. is a prebiotic and it feeds the good bacteria. Beautiful. And then you're getting some good fats from the avocado. Yeah. So just like little tweaks that are yeah. not a big change, yeah. but they really make a difference for you nutritional and feeding that microbiome in a healthy way. Yeah, I've been much more mindful of just like staying hydrated lately. So I've been drinking a lot. For me, I don't know why, but hot green tea is like the ultimate hydrator for my body. But just being more mindful of the color of pee, that's a huge piece of biofeedback right there. And then also, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what healthy bowel movement is, we have a blog post on what the Bristol stool chart is. That'll at least give you some ideas to make sure that that part of the body is functioning and and how to connect back what you ate with why you may not be having healthy bowel movement or it could be something else. So some simple biofeedback right there. And it doesn't cost a penny. You don't need an aura ring to do that. Just take a look in the bowl. Take a little time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it could be the best best moment of your day, the most interesting moment (laughs) of your day right there. Exactly. Awesome. So um, I want to be respectful of your time, Mona. I know you um, have a hard stop coming up here, but I'd love to learn more about your mission to bring more functional medicine into the workplace. So we're just um, launching this company. It's called Reveal Health, and it's um, basically to bring this into corporate wellness. So I uh, had the fortune of working at Apple and at Facebook when I was in the Bay Area. I was on an on-site doctor there, and I got to really see kind of how powerful and how convenient it is to have a doctor right there at your workplace, Amazing. helping to guide you. Right. So we want to bring that, but with a functional medicine angle to it. So really talking about wellness, doing programs on sleep, doing programs on gut health and nutrition, 
Yeah. And then um, we'd also, you know, we'd love to bring our approach of chronic diseases of how do we approach metabolic issues. If you're pre-diabetic, there's so many different things you can do from a functional medicine standpoint. If you have hypertension or cardiovascular disease, again, kind of a lot of things that through lifestyle that can really help you improve those uh, parameters. And then autoimmune, like I said, you know, there's a big issue, unfortunately, is growing quite a bit. And we're looking to bring in a functional medicine approach to help people do that. And what we'd like to do is really take an advantage of being on site is to create some group programs so that you have the group dynamics of support as well. So that was the the other benefit of being on site is just having that group support. Maybe you're all changing your diet together or going for walks together or you're attending a meditation together. You know, those types of things that can really reinforce the learning that you're getting. That's amazing. So much of our health issues are lifestyle and origin. Very few issues exactly. we're actually born with genetically. It's all something related to lifestyle. And work is an absolutely massive component of our lifestyle. So yeah. to have access to it there and to learn how to create a healthier work environment and a healthier lifestyle to support us in our work environment. I wish I would have had access to that when I was going through my own stuff. Luckily, I had already met a good functional medicine doctor. But had I not, and was just still working with a you know, traditional MD, I'd, who knows where I would have ended up. So I absolutely love that idea. And um, if there's ways we can work together, that would be super exciting. In the meantime, we'll be nerding out together in Florida at some point, learning about peptides, totally. apparently. Mona and I will be at the <laughs> A4M conference coming up. Uh, we're going to go nerd out on peptides. Apparently, we both love hanging out in Vegas. So... <laughs> We roll at the same coffee shops in Vegas. So um, I'm really enjoying getting to know you, Mona, personally and professionally. I think this is just the beginning of the work we do together. So thanks for sharing some of your insights on this show. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 